Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Well, hi there, and I just want to welcome you to our City Church service. I'm so excited that you're here. Also excited that we actually have four people. Yes, four people in the congregation this morning. So they're going to make the noise of thousands. That's what I've given them uh, the task to do. And our camera people are going to yell out. And this is like almost like a live service, and I am so excited about it, uh, just jumping out of my skin. One of the things, just a little uh, infomercial, if you will, just at the start, that we are going live on the 12th of July. The 12th of July, Sunday, we're actually going to have our very first service with people back here. Not that you guys aren't people, uh, us four and no more. No, it's going to be a lot more people down here. So make sure that you register uh, at the end. If you just go to citychurch, city-church.com.au, and you can register to be part of it if you live on the Sunshine Coast or you're visiting the Sunshine Shine Coast. Everybody else, you can catch us online live. It's going to be not recorded. It's going to be live, which means uh, if I make a mistake, it won't be edited out. If I mess up in any way, you'll get to hear it and see it all. Aren't you very, very blessed to do that? Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about something that's really been in my heart, and it's part of our series called Aftermath. And Aftermath is the aftermath of an event This event that we're talking about, the aftermath of, is when God poured out His Spirit uh, on the day of Pentecost. So we did, up to Pentecost, we did a series called Reclaiming Lost Pentecost. So if you don't know what the heck is Pentecost, uh, you can go and you can get that series and look these things up in your Bible. But after uh, the Spirit of God was poured out, there's an aftermath of that. And usually when we think of aftermath, we think of destruction, like a cyclone coming through or a tornado perhaps uh, those kinds of things there's no leaves left in the trees everything's destroyed the houses and everything well the aftermath of the Spirit of God coming through is life and it's lush and it's fruit on the trees of uh, all kinds of fruit of the Spirit love joy peace gentleness kindness meekness long-suffering all, all of that fruit appears in our life as an aftermath of an outpouring of the Spirit of God one of the greatest things in aftermath and this is what we're going to talk about this morning, is love. Love is the first fruit that's mentioned. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. In fact, we're probably going to go through and look at each one of these fruits uh, in the next series. But tonight I want to talk about this morning, rather. It's tonight, but it's morning for you. You caught me. Uh, (laughs) uh, Is the aftermath of love being poured out. What does it look like and how important is it? I don't know if you've ever worked in what some would call a toxic environment. If you, you know what I'm talking about. If you worked in a toxic environment, it means you don't look forward to going to work. The people there don't get along. There's little infights and you know all kinds of things going that the, the tension is like so, so much pressure and that kind of thing. And toxic environments are just terrible. And I worked in one, my first job, 
back as an accountant, not my first job, but my first job out of college and graduated. I'm, you know, I'm the graduate. I've got my accounting degree now. I get my very first job in San Diego, California. I was pumped. And uh, my first job as an accountant was at San Diego Gas and Electric Company. So it was a utility company. We had a huge office area with cubicles. I had my very own cubicle, not an office, but kind of. And uh, it was just a toxic environment that I walked into. They'd already had infighting going on for years. Some of the people that, that had been there had been bitter enemies for many, many years. It was a well-established older company. And I remember, because I was the new guy, the fresh meat, so to speak, they, you know, they get me over in their corner and they pump me full of venom for the uh, other person that they didn't like. And then the other person would grab me. And, and then there's always somebody that doesn't like this company and they don't like the boss and they don't like this and they don't like that. And, and they'd be in my ear. And it was about that time that I started following Jesus. I started going to church and I started reading the Bible. I became what we would call a Christian. And I remember I started to read in the Bible, uh, 1 Corinthians in particular, which is called the Great Love Chapter. It's uh, read out at most weddings. You know, love is patient, love is kind. And we're going to look at that this morning, but or tonight. And uh, we're going to look at that. And, I, and I'm, I've, I've called this message, Be the Bigger, Be the Bigger. And what I realized as a, as a Christ follower in toxic situations where people don't like each other, you don't like them, they don't like you, you can be the bigger person. And that's what God challenged me uh, to be the bigger person in any environment, in any relationship. Now, the bigger person is the person that loves. Love is the, the biggest challenge. Love is the biggest thing that we, that we uh, get to do. So when there's people's attitudes and, and people jockeying for position, I remember at that particular company, uh, this, this guy that was a lot newer to me at the company, he blew right past me. He got promoted. I didn't get promoted. Reason, his uncle was one, one of the directors of the company. And you know, I was really, talk about a bitter pill. It was like, I just did not like that guy. Why? I felt I deserved to get that, not him. And, and, and there he is getting what belonged to me. And, and it was during that time that God challenged me to learn how to love. To be the bigger person, he showed me that I could choose to love other people over loving myself. I could choose to serve and not demand to be served. I could be the bigger person. Uh, it was during that time that I felt the heart of God uh, that the bigger person in any relationship is the person who loves. And again, he took me over to 1 Corinthians 13. So I want you to go with me if you have a Bible. If not, these words will appear on the screen to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 otherwise known as the great love chapter. And uh, I'm going to read that out. And then I'm going to show you something that uh, I felt the Spirit of God uh, called me to do that's really is something that changed my life. And I'll, we'll go through that in a moment. But I want to read it. It's out of the NIV. And it says this, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Verse 5, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, 
always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never, never fails. A bit of emphasis on that one. In every situation that you are facing right now in life, you have your biggest opportunity to love and to be the bigger person. Now, this is something that I felt led by God to do. As I was reading that, I heard of somebody else that had done this, and I thought, I'm going to do that. And that is to put your name in there where the word love is. So I, I went through my Bible, and I put where it says love is patient. I put Ed is patient. And I wrote that out on little cards, and I put it on my mirror where I look and comb my hair and everything, and I began to say that out loud at the beginning of my day before I was going to get in the car, drive down to that gas and electric company, and face all those toxic people, that uh, many whom I didn't like and who didn't like me. And uh, so I started to do that. Ed is patient. Ed is kind. Wow. Uh, Ed does not envy about that guy that got my job that I should have got. He got promoted. I didn't get promoted. Ed doesn't envy. Ed does not boast. Ed is not proud. Ed does not dishonor others. Ed is not self-seeking. I'm just putting my, you can put, put your name in there. Uh, Ed is not easily angered. Ed keeps no record of wrongs. Ed does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Ed always protects. Ed always trusts. Ed always hopes. Ed always perseveres. And guess what? It never fails. And that is the secret to life. We could all go home right now and have a potato bake and a, and a nice lamb roast if you live in Australia. We have, a pro, we have a solution to every problem that people face. Every problem, and mainly those problems are people that you are facing right now. Every single one of them has a solution. And that solution is found in love. In any relationship, in any relationship, Relationship, you get a choice to be the bigger person or to be the smaller person. The bigger person is the person that serves the smaller person. It's not the person that demands to be served. The bigger person is the person who loves. The bigger person is the person that's always serving other people. If we follow Jesus and you know the Bible says God is love, we see the bigger person and how the bigger person behaves. There's Jesus washing their feet. There's Jesus, a woman caught in the, in the act of adultery and religion is going to stone her and there's Jesus kneeling down riding in the dirt and uh, looks up at them and with, with the same vantage point that this woman is looking up at these religious men with their stones in their hands and he says okay who's, who's never sinned you throw the first stone he's still there with this woman when he's saying that that's how love behaves it's incredible uh, that love is patient and love is kind all of these things we have a chance to be the bigger person. I, I started uh, to meditate again to ponder what it means to be patient. And then what happens? And this is, this is something that will happen to you if it already hasn't happened. You'll start to see the enemies in your life 
are great opportunities. They're an education to learn how to love. So what God did was he, he began to send me people in my life, not just at that toxic work situation, but uh, in other areas of my life. In fact, one of the areas was the church I was attending. Believe it or not, sometimes church can be the best place to learn how to love and one of the hardest places to learn how to love. There are that many people out of churches, uh, probably way more than are attending because they got offended. And I think all you did is you missed your biggest opportunity to learn how to love. This education only comes one way. You've got to go through and get crossed by people, encounter unlovely people, people that don't like you, people that you don't like. This is how you learn how to love. And, and so I remember I went with this church, uh, uh, young adults group on a bus up to the mountains, and uh, they were all together. They all knew each other. I was kind of the odd man out. You know that you're the odd man out when the youth leader sits next to you because nobody else wants to sit next to you. So on the bus trip, it was like a mercy thing, like, hey, how you doing? You know, nobody else wants to talk to you because they're too busy talking to their friends. Hello. And, and so he's talking to me and the whole bus trip. And I'm thinking, man, you don't need to do this. Like, I'm not going to come back anyway. So don't worry about it. You know, you'll never see me again. Believe me, when this thing's finished, it's done. Like, and uh, I remember, though, there was one other guy that was on that bus that was on the outer, and his name was Ken Dars. I still remember his name all these years later. We're talking 40-something years. And, uh, and Ken Darst and I sat together during all the games and everything that youth play or young adults were playing these games. And these guys were shooting baskets and things, and, and, uh, and Ken and I were sitting there, and I, I introduced myself. Well, Ken had some kind of a speech impediment, and I mean, he didn't just stutter, he stopped. He'd start a sentence, and then he would just freeze. And I, I realized what was going on there, so my patience was running out. I'll be honest with you, I just wanted to do predictive uh, Ken Darst text words and fill in his sentences, but I, I thought, no, I'm not gonna do that because love is patient, and love is kind. So I, I just told him, I said, Ken, you finish the sentence whenever you do. Don't worry, I'm with you, buddy. So sometimes there are big, giant gaps and everything. And then he went, well, uh, uh, and then there's nothing. Gonna, 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 nothing. Play basketball. I went, okay. He went down there. He was a gun, man. He's, he's just jacking shots from three-point land. And, you know, he was just, like, blowing all these guys away. <laughs> like, and he did not look like he could be in the NBA or anything. And then he came back and sat with me. And, and I remember the conversation that we had. It did take a long time to finish it. But it was gold. It was so valuable. I learned so much. But I left that group. And in leaving that group, I left my friend Ken as well. Ken killed himself not that long after that. When I found out, I went to church, I was gutted. They said, oh, did you hear about, you know, Ken Darst? And I'm like, no, what? And they go, well, he hung himself. And I'm like, how, how, you know, I was just like, I could have, 
I could have hung in there longer just for him. I could have been more patient, more kind. I could have been a friend to somebody that needed a friend. Now, I'm not guilted about that, and I don't want you to be guilted about failed relationships or you know what you could have done, but all I can say is there are people in your world right now that need love. They don't need to be liked. They need to be loved. They don't need to be popular. They need to be loved. You need to be the bigger person for a whole lot of people that God has brought into your life. They're in your life right now. They're masquerading as people that you don't like. They're masquerading as people that don't like you. But love cuts through all of that. Love never fails. So I think about being the bigger person, being the patient person, being the kinder person, the person that gets excited at somebody else's success, excited every wedding, even if you aren't always uh, the, the bride or never the bride, but you are the bridesmaid. You know what I'm talking, some of you, you've got that many bridesmaids dresses because, you know, you want to be the bride someday. But every time somebody says, hey, we're getting married, and it's not you, you get excited about that because love gets excited at somebody else's success. Uh, I watched my wife. And, uh, you know, it took us forever to get pregnant and to have our one and only son. You know, we were getting older. I was 40 years old when we had our our son, who's now 25, going on 26. But I watched my wife patiently enduring, even through some miscarriages. Do you know what? She never, ever was resentful when somebody else got pregnant and had a baby. She always, always rejoiced with them. She never once went sour face and, well, what about me? When's it going to be my turn? Come on, God, you know, getting angry or resentful and, and, and all of that. Well, she doesn't deserve, they don't deserve to have a kid. They're not going to treat the baby. Not. Never, ever did my wife behave that way. She was always uh, an embodiment of love. The person who watches other, other people and their success that gets excited. That's what love does. That's what it means to be the bigger person. The one who doesn't boast, even when they have something to boast about. That's the bigger person. I think about the people uh, I haven't been going to the gym lately. I've got to get back there, I'll be honest with you. But, uh, you know, the guy at the gym with the biggest muscles, he doesn't talk about it. Everybody knows. Look at those biceps. They're, they're huge. Are those things real? Like, he doesn't have to go, hey, you know, everybody, man, I've got these massive biceps. He just has the biceps. And everybody knows that. He doesn't need to boast about it. Love doesn't need to boast. The toughest guys at my high school that I went to never talked about being tough. But if you ever messed with them, you found out they are the toughest guys. And, and, uh, and that's the way it is with love. I remember once when I was uh, living in Tulsa and I was going to Bible college, and there was a guest speaker at one of the churches there in Tulsa, and his name was Ray, Ray McCauley. Now, he became a pastor in South Africa, pastored a, a mammoth church. But back then, back we're talking back in 1983, I think it was, uh, Ray McCauley, he was, he was the third runner-up to Mr. Universe behind Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold got it number one that year, uh, and, 
and, and Ray McCauley was the third runner-up. And I was pumping iron back then. I was going to the gym. You know, I was getting fit. I was young and everything else. And uh, you know, I thought, I'm going to go see him, like, because I know who he is and everything. And I thought, I'm going to go and, and hear him preach. And, and he preached. And after the service, he was kind of hanging out down there toward the front. And I thought, man, like, this is too good to be true. This is way before you couldn't get selfies because the iPhone wasn't invented back then. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was just so pumped to go down there and meet the third runner-up, Mr. Universe, Ray McCauley. This is like a dream come true. And I remember, you know, he's looking at me, and he puts his hand out to shake my hand. And I'm thinking, man, like, Mr. Universe, third, third, you know, he, he's like, this is like, he was Mr. Europe, Mr. South Africa as well. He was so big, like his, honestly, like his suit jacket was just like a tight T-shirt on him, you know. And, and he looked at me, and he put his hand out. And I thought, okay, buddy. Here it goes. And I mustered up the biggest handshake that I could. I just went, bam, like that. And I squeezed as hard as I could. And he looked at me like, what is wrong with you, you moron? Like, and he had the softest hands. And he just looked at me like, you hurt my hand. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, what have I done? My one big chance to meet, you know, one of my heroes, and I've totally stuffed it up. <laughs> and, uh, and I realized, you know, the bigger person is the humble person, and I learned the lesson. Get humble. I always watch people that win uh, in sports, you know, whether it's uh, the, the grand final or the Super Bowl or the NBA, NBA championships or whatever, and, and somebody gets the most valuable player, and they interview them, and there's, you know, all the people, all the press, the, all all the ticker tape and the big trophy and all that, and they interview the person, almost without exception, they say this. When they, they get the most valuable player, they'll say something like, you know what? It was a team effort. It was, we all did this. This trophy's for you. And they talk about their city or their team. It's never like, yeah, baby, you, you got it. I got the MVP. You know, look at me. Everybody, you know, look who got the trophy. Anybody that does that, seriously is not going to keep it very long because the other guy's going to make sure next season, prima donna, you are not going to be the most valuable player. You're probably going to be found somewhere in the locker room uh, in a bad situation. Now, <laughs> the, the, most, the bigger person is the person that honors the position when they can't honor the person. Now, that's a big revelation that I learned, actually, from my cousin, uh, who was a colonel in the U.S. military. We went to visit him at the Pentagon, went past the Joint Chief of Staff's room and to uh, my cousin Jim's office. And in his office there was, it was amazing. You know, he's, he's a colonel. Like, this is so cool. And, you know, we visited him once in Germany. He was in charge of, uh, of the whole uh, uh, army base there, Ramstein. Uh, they had a big snowstorm. I think somebody was gone. Anyway, he was in charge. And everybody's saluting. And I'm, like, with them, like, and they're saluting. I'm like, yeah, that's right. You better salute us. <laughs> but, you know, behind my cousin Jim's uh, sit his chair in his office was a picture of the President of the United States. 
I'm not going to tell you which president it was. This is a long time ago. And, uh, and I knew that my, my cousin probably didn't vote for that guy. In America, the president is the commander in chief of the armed forces. So in other words, he was my cousin's commanding officer. My cousin colonel had to salute him. The president is like, even if he didn't serve in the military, he's still the chief of, uh, of all the armed forces. And I said to my cousin, I said, <laughs> do you realize his picture you got on the wall there? Like, you didn't vote for him, did you? And he goes, no. And I said, so what is it like serving him? How can you honor a guy like that? And he said this. He said, I honor the position, not just the person. You honor the position when you can't honor the person. So if you're working for somebody and you think, man, what a jerk, you know, Honor the position. That doesn't mean talking about the person. It doesn't mean showing dishonor. Show honor because that's what love does. It shows honor. The bigger person is the person that shows honor. Kind of wrapping it up a little bit, the bigger person is the person that just values other people. And that word value is a really big word. It's the person who places value on other people. How, how do we know when love is lost in any situation? It's when value is lost. When you stop valuing other human beings, you're basically saying, I don't agree with you, God. I know you died for them, and I know that you, know, you, did, you paid the ultimate price uh, for them, and I know that you love them, but I don't agree. I don't value them. Therefore, love gets shut down, and love is no longer patient and kind. Uh, you, don't, you don't exhibit that. You are becoming a smaller person. Be the bigger person. The bigger person is the one that places value on everybody. That's how we know when, when we love, and that's also how we know when love is lost. Love is lost when value is lost. You look at anything in life that somebody uh, loves, and it's because they value that. It might be your car. You know, I know if you love your car because you're out there washing that thing. There's not a bunch of wrappers in the uh, seats and everything else. It's not like a big mess and run down and everything. Whatever you love, you value. That has to include people, not just things. And so place value on other people. See them as valuable and precious. In fact, the word love in the Greek language, the highest kind of love, and there's like three or four words in the Greek language for the word love. There's eros, which is uh, a sexual kind of a love. There's phileo, where you get uh, the word Philadelphia is named after that. It's a, a brotherly love, family love. There's storge in the Greek language, which means affection that you show towards your mother or sister, girlfriend, boyfriend. But the highest kind of love is agape. Agape love is the highest kind of love. It's the God kind of love. It's the love that says you are valuable and precious even if your behavior says otherwise. I love you. I see you as valuable and precious, not based on your behavior. Aren't you glad that God loves you, that God agapes you, and that it's not based on your behavior? Do you realize that God puts so much value on you 
because he, he loves you, he values you, even when you stuff up, even when you don't uh, make the grade, even when you do something called sin, which means miss the mark, even when you are not a good guy or, or a good girl, God loves you. He puts value on you. Love is something that we must find value in other people because you love what you value. I remember one time in... Uh, we were in Tucson, Arizona, Gail and I, visiting some friends. It would have been 1987, I think it was, or 86. And, uh, and I remember watching the television, and it said, uh, the first anniversary of the discovery of the biggest star, Sapphire. And I'm like, well. And then they said, a year ago at the same show, a rock show, a gem show in Tucson, Arizona, this man uh, found this incredibly huge star sapphire, and they valued it at $2.8 million at the time. And I said to Gail, let's go to that show. Let's go down and meet the guy that found that sapphire, and let's have a look at that thing. So, you know, we drove down there, got paid the admission, went into the rock show, and there was tables. It was a huge convention center, just rows and rows of tables with rocks. And, uh, and there, over on one side, was this man that had discovered the biggest star, Sapphire. So you know, went up, I talked to the guy, and I had a burning question to ask him. And I waited in line, had a look at that Sapphire. It was the size of a big egg or a small potato. It was just amazing. And uh, you couldn't touch it, but you look at that thing and you know, worth way more today. And, and I said to him, how did this happen? And he goes, well, he said, uh, a year ago today, a year ago, he said, I was at the same, the same gym show. And he says, I wasn't even going to go to the show. I, was gonna, I, I didn't even want to go. And it was the last day. And he said, I, I thought I'll, I'll just walk past all the cut gems and everything back to where all the boxes were, shoe boxes full of uncut gems, just rocks, basically, shoe boxes full of rocks. And uh, he says, I'm walking past. And it caught my eye. And he said, I realized what it was. It wasn't cut. It didn't look like a sapphire unless you uh, understood rocks and gems. And so he looked at that thing, took his breath away. He said, I had to leave the convention center and risk the, somebody else discovering it to walk back in, keep a poker face, and, and offer the guy uh, some money. So the, so the box actually said $10 for the whole box. And, uh, oh, it was 15 sorry. It was $15 for the whole box. And, and he walked back in, and he kind of went, ah, you know, and, the, and the, the guy that was selling it goes, okay, you can have the whole box for $10. I'll give you $5 off. Yeah, okay. Hands him the money and walks out with the biggest star sapphire ever. It was like uh, uh, 1,900 uh, uh, carats or whatever it was, massive thing. A anyway, uh, I said to him, I said, what did the guy feel like when he, when he realized what he had in that box? And he goes, he felt really, really bad. <laughs> As you would. But then he made this statement. He says, that's, what, that's all he valued it at. It was worth $10 to him. And so I paid him the value that he placed on the stone. He did say that he gave the guy a generous uh, tip, if you will. He wouldn't tell me how much, but he, he was generous toward the guy. But I thought to myself, isn't that the way it is in life, that we treat other people according to the value that we put on them or society places on them? We don't, put, uh, we don't treat people according to the value that God puts on them. God says, you're my child. You're 
the apple of my eye. I love you so much that I gave my only son just for you. That's the value that God places on every single human on the face of the earth, including you. Once you know how valuable you are to God, that God agapes you, that God loves you with the highest kind of love and puts so much value on you, how could you not value other people? I see people sometimes and I think the reason that they don't love other people is because they don't understand the love of God, that God has placed so much value on them. Therefore, they don't project that and place that on other people. That's where the revelation has to come, that value comes from God and it goes to God, and, and, and value is something that brings uh, love. Value also brings intimacy. So there is no intimacy when it comes to love unless you place value. Uh, I, I believe that you can't love from a distance. That, you know, to yell out, uh, you know, Justin Bieber was uh, in Australia, I think, a couple years ago or something, and, you know, his fangirls were there. We love you, Justin. You know, they're yelling how much they love Justin. And, you know, he's way over there. They've never met Justin Bieber. They like his music and think he's cute, obviously. But, uh, you know, to actually love him, do you really love him? Like, you, what value are you placing on? the guy. It's just a superficial thing. It's not that agape love that we're talking about here. And, uh, and the, the kind of love that we're talking about has to bring intimacy. It's up close and personal. It's easy to love somebody from a distance, yell out how much you love them, but you know how much you love somebody when they cross you, when you don't get your way from them when you just want to strangle them because they're not giving you what you want. Well, the bigger person is the one that doesn't demand that, and, and, and it's the giving person. So many Christ followers talk about their love for God, but they doubt his love for them. And when they do that, they, uh, they limit the kind of love that God is actually going to bring into their life. So love is lost when intimacy is lost, and, and real love and intimacy have to be up close and personal. Now, I'm going to close with this, but it's a great scripture. It's in Romans chapter three, uh, 8 rather, and verses eight, 38 to 39. Romans 8, 38 to 39. And, uh, and it says this, For I am convinced, the Apostle Paul writes, or the old King James says, I am persuaded. I like that. I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future or any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, get this, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. God gets up close and personal. God places value. There's intimacy with him and that kind of love. There is nothing that can separate you from that love. So I really encourage you, you know, to, to, to look at if you feel like uh, love is lost, I just got to ask you this question. Is God lost? You see, Love can't be lost unless God got lost somehow. And, and where is God? Is he in a galaxy far, far away? 
<laughs> no, God is up close and intimate. We're talking aftermath. God poured out a spirit and you became the temple of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God. That's how up close and personable and intimate that God is. His son paved the way. His son showed how much value that he has towards you so that you became a candidate then for the love of God to be filled, overflowing with the love of God, to speak out into your toxic uh, environment at work, to have an attitude and a mindset that charges into those kind of situations, not, I don't want to go there, I think I'm going to be sick today, I'm not going to go, I'm going to quit my job. No, it charges into churches where people are bickering and complaining and not following Jesus. It says, I'm not leaving here until restoration happens. I'm not putting up with that spirit because it's not the spirit of God. And so love charges in. How do we get our love back? Well, we start loving what God loves. Wow. It's pretty simple, isn't it? God loves people, including you. So if you've lost your love, God's not lost, but if you felt that you are distant from him, realize that God loves you regardless of who you are, regardless of what you've done. It's not based on your performance. It's based on his nature. It's who he is. God is love. He can't do anything else. So listen to what God says about you and believe it and take it on board. He says this in Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. He demonstrates his love, his own love for you in this, that while you were still sinners, while you were still missing the mark, while you were still unlikable even and, and, and ugly, Christ Jesus died for you. And when we start placing value on other people because we know that we're valued and esteemed by God, then that river starts to flow. That love is really what's going to cure this world. And I hope that you would be part of the aftermath of that outpouring. I hope that you are part of that. And uh, if, if you're not, I'm going to give you a chance right now to pray uh, a simple prayer of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive love himself into your world so that your world will be different. This world will be changed because of people just like you. Uh, so I'd like you, wherever you're at, just to get uh, uh, intimate. Have a, have a moment with God, if you would. Uh, if you're sitting in your living room, uh, wherever you're at right now, why don't, why don't you let just God occupy that space for a moment? And, uh, and I want to pray for you, and I want you to have the opportunity to ask love himself into your heart. If you've known him and you've just not been walking uh, according to the love of God, maybe 1 Corinthians 13, you haven't owned that yet. Look, it's a lifetime thing. Don't feel bad about it. Just pick it up and, and start to personalize it like I did. And you watch, your life will be incredibly changed. So I'm going to pray right now. If you'd like to pray this after me, uh, just a short prayer. This is not a formula. Uh, I love to pray this prayer and give people a chance every time I preach to uh, be part of this. So if you'd like to, uh, I invite you to pray this after me. Just say this, say, Dear God, I thank you for sending your son, for loving me just as I am. Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer, 
you are, you have received the love of God. God already had loved you before that so much. He's just saying, hey, take my free gift, my son. If you've received uh, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, into your heart, that's all there is to it. You can't do anything to make God love you anymore. It's just receiving what he's already done, D-O-N-E. God's already done it. You, you don't have to do it. You start to walk in that, you will notice a huge difference as you start to see through his eyes and not just your eyes. You start to hear with his ears and start to love people and place value on people. Our world is going to be a much better place because of people just like you. And so I'm so thankful that you are part of our online broadcast today. Uh, these, these messages get posted on YouTube uh, afterwards. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, share these messages with your friends, family, whoever really needs to hear this. And, uh, and, and let, let the, the Word of God touch their lives as well. Well, I, I invite you, if you live in the area, like I said before, uh, next week, to come down to City Church in Marichidor uh, for our live service, but please register online. So just go to our, hit our website and then just register and uh, let us know that you're coming. If you have children, let us know for, uh, that you ch you're bringing your children as well. The second service, we won't have uh, a children's program, but we will at the 10 o'clock service. And, um, and look, you can also join us for our live stream next week. We're going to be live. Yes, indeed. Raw. Any mistakes, they're going to show up. I'm looking forward to it. So you can laugh at me. Just, just watch it. And God bless you guys. Have an awesome, awesome week. And uh, God loves you, and so do I. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.